Recently, I became the Twitter, or X, whatever it is for now, villain of the day for a community. I had sent out a tweet where I criticized an article headline that stated antidepressants can cause chemical castration. Chemical castration was the description used by a patient who had come forward and described her experience with PSSD, or post-SSRI sexual dysfunction. I had said that it was really, really, really rare, and that I and many docs I've talked to have never encountered it, as well as never learned about it in our training. Well, I got feedback, of all types. So instead of getting into 280 character limit online squabbles, I decided to learn more about it and put this video out there. But who am I? My name is Dr. Salman Aziz Mirza, and I am triple board certified in adult psychiatry, child and adolescent psychiatry, and addiction medicine. And let's see how this one gets received. We're all familiar with the role of SSRIs and SNRIs, two classes of medications that are often frontline treatment options for conditions like depression and anxiety. These medications work by altering the balance of specific neurotransmitters in your brain, namely serotonin and norepinephrine. They have helped millions around the world manage their symptoms and improve their quality of life. But like any treatment, they don't come without potential adverse effects. Perhaps the most common and burdensome adverse effects associated with these medications is sexual dysfunction. It can manifest as a decrease in libido, difficulty achieving arousal, or problems reaching orgasm. These issues are so significant that they are one of the main reasons patients stop their medication, which in turn could potentially worsen their mental health symptoms. While rates can vary greatly depending on the specific study and population, a common estimate suggests that sexual dysfunction may occur in anywhere between 30 to 50% of patients taking SSRIs and SNRIs, while some studies have reported rates as high as 70%. It's also worth noting that many cases may go unreported due to factors like embarrassment or lack of awareness that the medication could be causing these symptoms. Most of the time, these side effects resolve once the medication is stopped. Some people might also see improvements by adding on another medication, things like Wellbutrin, Bupropion, or for some men, PDE5 inhibitors like Viagra or Silas can also help. But what happens when these sexual side effects don't resolve, even after you stop taking the medication? What if they persist, impacting your life in profound ways? This is what is known as PSSD, or post-SSRI sexual dysfunction. These symptoms can vary greatly among individuals, but here are some of the potential symptoms. 1. Decreased libido or sexual desire. This is often the most reported symptom of PSSD. Individuals may find that they lack the interest in sexual activities they once had, or in those that may have been prescribed medication as a child or an adolescent, it never really develops into a significant part of their lives. Number 2. Erectile dysfunction or difficulties with arousal. Individuals may struggle to achieve or maintain an erection, which can be psychologically detrimental in its own way, while others may have difficulty with things like sexual arousal, one of the important and necessary stages of sexual activity. Number three, anorgasmia or delayed orgasm. This refers to the inability to achieve orgasm or requiring much more time to reach orgasm than before. Interestingly enough, SSRIs are often used for this purpose in those that may struggle with things like premature ejaculation. This is the one time that I consider Paxil, a med that is usually on my naughty list. We also have things like genital anesthesia, this is less common, but some individuals report decreased sensitivity or numbness in the genitals. 
There are testimonials out there of individuals feeling nothing just by using a vibrator set at its maximum level. Decreased pleasure or satisfaction. Some individuals experience a reduced intensity of orgasm or overall pleasure from sexual activities, which can play a role in the last part, which is mental or psychological symptoms. These can include decreased romantic feelings or emotional blunting. According to some testimonials, this is the part of PSSD that is often overlooked, but the most significantly negative, impactful effect. These aren't temporary symptoms. People with PSSD have reported experiencing these issues for months or even years after stopping their medication. But it's not just SSRIs and SNRIs that have been associated with persistent sexual dysfunction after discontinuation. At least two other medications, finasteride and esotretinoin, have been implicated in similar post-drug syndromes. Finasteride is often used to treat male pattern baldness and benign prostatic hyperplasia, or BPH. Some patients have reported sexual side effects like decreased libido and erectile dysfunction, which have persisted even after stopping the medication, a condition that's been termed post-finasteride syndrome. A 2019 retrospective review of over 12,000 male patients estimated the risk at 1.4% of having persistent erectile dysfunction. Similarly, isotretinoin, more commonly known as Accutane, a medication used for severe acne, has also been associated with reports of persistent sexual dysfunction after the medication is stopped. These reports have led to the recognition of a potential post-isotretinoin syndrome. While our understanding of these post-drug syndromes is still developing, their existence points towards a possible common mechanism that persists even after the medications are stopped, affecting the sexual health of those afflicted. For that, let's put on our science hats and try to find out what's happening on a cellular level. SSRIs, SNRIs, finasteride, and isotretinoin all work differently, targeting different systems within our bodies, but they've all been associated with reports of persistent sexual dysfunction. So how might this be happening? Let's look at two main theories floating about there for PSSD. The first theory, referred to as the epigenetic change in receptor downregulation theory, boils down to how SSRIs interact with a specific receptor in our brain called 5-HT1A. SSRIs work by increasing the amount of serotonin in the brain, and this serotonin binds to and stimulates these 5-HT1A receptors. Over time, with more serotonin present due to the SSRIs, these receptors can become less responsive, a phenomenon that we call downregulation. The interesting part is that this downregulation might not just be temporary. Long-term use of SSRIs may trigger lasting changes at a genetic level, resulting in a persistent downregulation even after the medication is stopped. This persistent downregulation of 5-HT1A receptors is suggested to contribute to PSSD, given the role that these receptors play in sexual motivation, desire, arousal, and orgasm. The second set of theories involves various hormones and their roles in PSSD. These theories propose that SSRIs might cause changes in several hormones and neurotransmitters, things like serotonin, prolactin, dopamine, testosterone, and oxytocin, among others. This occurs not just in the brain, but also in the peripheral nervous system, which actually houses 95% of serotonin receptors in the body. This complex interplay of hormones and neurotransmitters all work in harmony to regulate our sexual function, and disruptions in any part of this system might contribute to persistent sexual dysfunction. SSRIs may also cause lasting damage to serotonin-containing neurofibers, leading to persistent sexual dysfunction like what's seen with certain recreational drugs, things like MDMA or ecstasy, and its withdrawal symptoms. A 
Another suggestion is that SSRIs might affect certain ion channels in our skin that are responsible for sensitivity to touch, temperature, taste, and smell. Any disruption to these channels might also contribute to the sexual dysfunction seen in PSSD. When we turn to finasteride, we're dealing with a medication that inhibits an enzyme responsible for the conversion of testosterone to dihydrotestosterone, a more potent form of the hormone. By altering the balance of these hormones, it's possible that finasteride might impact sexual function in a lasting way for some people. Finally, isotretinoin works by reducing the amount of oil released by oil glands in our skin, helping to renew skin faster. Its association with sexual dysfunction isn't well understood. One theory suggests that the drug may have a potential impact on the brain's hypothalamic pituitary gonadal axis, which regulates hormones vital to sexual function. While all these theories provide some insight, they still don't offer a complete explanation for why some individuals continue to experience sexual dysfunction after discontinuing these medications. After all, the overwhelming majority of people who do take these medications do not have long-lasting sexual dysfunction, especially after stopping them. Recently, there was a significant retrospective review out of Israel published earlier in 2023 that concluded about 0.46% or approximately 1 in 216 people who took SSRIs may experience PSSD, which they essentially defined as men who were prescribed PDE5 inhibitors after starting an SSRI. So we have some more murky waters, which leads us to all the controversy surrounding PSSD. What could possibly be controversial about something like PSSD? Well, many within the medical community remain skeptical about the condition, questioning if PSSD is a direct result of SSRIs or if other factors might be at play. This skepticism often stems from the lack of large-scale, high-quality studies on PSSD, making it harder to definitively prove a link. Others are unsure of its very existence, with many healthcare providers with decades of experience reporting that they have never personally encountered it, myself included. This ultimately leads to an unwinnable conflict for all involved. On one side of the divisive issue, we have communities of effective individuals coming together online, urgently seeking recognition and assistance. They're saying, hey, recognize us and help us. They're desperate for understanding and solutions, often using attention-grabbing language and headlines to raise awareness about their suffering in hopes of directing eyes and money towards research for this disorder. On the other side, with many medical professionals who are either skeptical about the existence of PSSD or are uncertain on how or unable to help those affected. Some healthcare providers feel that emphasizing this uncommon side effect might deter people from seeking essential care. They argue that the potential benefits of SSRIs, which can be life-saving for some, far outweigh the risks. Like many controversies in the online world, the conversation can quickly devolve into nastiness, a setting ripe for high emotions as well as misunderstandings to flourish. The truth is, this complex issue requires nuanced understanding, empathy, and rigorous scientific investigation. The challenge lies in bridging the gap between the lived experiences of those suffering from PSSD and the scientific and medical community's need for concrete evidence. It's a difficult path, but one that must be walked with care, compassion, and a commitment to uncovering the truth. So how do we get there? In the heart of this complex debate surrounding PSSD lies a critical principle that many of us in the medical field hold dear, informed consent. Informed consent is more than just a formality. It's a process of communication between a patient and a healthcare provider that ensures that the patient is well informed about the potential benefits, risks, 
and alternatives to a proposed treatment or no treatment at all. For those who have experienced PSSD, one of the central grievances often cited is that they were not adequately informed about this possibility of this side effect. They argue that had they have known about the risk, even if it's rare, they might have made different choices regarding their treatment. The push for including PSSD in the informed consent process has unfortunately met resistance. Some healthcare professionals worry that emphasizing such an uncommon side effect would unduly scare patients away from potentially life-saving treatment. They contend that the overall benefits of SSRIs and other serotonergic antidepressants must be weighed against the relatively small risk of developing PSSD. But the voice of those affected by PSSD is clear. They want transparency, understanding, and the ability to make truly informed choices about their medical treatment. For the most part, they're not asking to eliminate these medications, but to have been given all the information to make the best decisions for themselves and for others in the future. Due to the never-ending tweets I have received from those affected, I have started to incorporate this as part of the informed consent I give to my patients when using these medications. The challenge ahead is to find the right balance where patients are fully informed without being unnecessarily alarmed. It's a delicate task that requires ongoing dialogue, empathy, and dedication to ensuring that patients are true partners in their care. This isn't just about PSSD, it's about reinforcing trust, autonomy, and respect in the patient-provider relationship. Thank you for joining me in exploring this complex but important topic. Remember, this video is here to raise awareness and provide education, and treatment decisions should always be made in collaboration with your healthcare provider. I've included some links in the description below for more information about PSSD and the community that is there. If you found this information valuable, please consider liking it, commenting below as I am making sure to go through and answer whatever I can, sharing with those that may benefit from it, and subscribing for more videos like this. Your support and feedback helps me to continue to provide content like this one. Stay well and take care of each other.